Turn with us in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6 for our Bible reading this morning. Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, it shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve him. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died under sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth under God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us not sin therefore let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither ye or ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but ye yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked, ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness, and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things where you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reading Romans chapter 6. Let us pray. Our Father, 
instead of running away from thee this morning, I run to you and cast myself upon your mercy, upon your grace, upon your bosom, for thou art the almighty God, the all-nourishing God, the all-supplying God, the all-sufficient God. And to thee we come. No matter how Satan has attacked like he did yesterday, no matter what problems or cares come upon us, we must come to thee. Thou art our, our help. Thou art our hope. We have none of it. Our Father, man cannot help us. Man can speak. Man can give us the word. But thou alone can speak to our heart. Thou alone can quiet us. Thou alone can give us that grace to follow thee fully and completely with a dedicated mind and heart and will unto thee. And so we come casting ourselves upon thee in Christ by faith this morning. Pray that thou will look upon us as you look upon the mercy seat. Lord, remember our frame it is dust. Remember we have no strength. We have no wisdom. We have nothing to draw from. Our will is empty. But you told us to come draw from your will, from the will of salvation. And that's where we come this morning. Look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, waiting before thee to give us what is needful for our hearts. Father, we stand <coughs> in need of thy great grace and thy spirit to work in each and every heart. And our one prayer coming here this morning is that we will not only be hearers of the word, but doers also. Put it into practice that which we hear and read from thy precious word. With faith in thee, that obedient faith, that faith that you desire, that faith that you love, that faith that you want. We want to come in that way this morning. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, my Father, thou knowest the burdens that weigh heavy upon us. Thou knowest those things <clears throat> from without and within. But we do know that thou hast never failed. And we know that thou canst be trusted, that you are not put on us any more than we are able to bear. But you will with the testing make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. Now, my Father, I do know that this message this morning that you've given is from my heart. I long for it to be written there. I long for it to live in the way that I trust you'll describe it to us this morning. Give us words to describe it. That's the way I long to live. And Father, not only me, but we do pray that every soul that's 
here this morning will be dealt with of the Holy Spirit. And their hearts will hear. Would you be pleased to draw all of our thoughts in from the world? Would you be pleased to take away all the prejudice in our hearts? The unbelief of our hearts. And let us hear not only with our outward ears, but the ears of the soul. Then give us grace to put into practice what we hear. We might truly be obedient children unto the living God. We thank you, Father, for the way you blessed and led Stephen Linder last week in the conference here in Birmingham. Thank you for the privilege of being able to witness and to put out the material there for your glory. We thank you for the response. Pray that you will give to thyself glory in all of this. Now, my father and your sister Mildred is still on the ailing list. She needs you this morning. Let her know that underneath of thine everlasting arms, just love her, Father, and give to her thy presence, come to her, and hold her in thine arms, and kiss her with the kips, kisses of thy lips, and may she know thy presence even now, she may look wholly and completely to thee. Lead us and guide us. He said, open your mouth wide, now fill it. And so we come to thee with an open mouth this morning for you to fill it with thy precious word. For in Christ's name we ask. Amen. This is another one of those messages that I'm going to preach to myself and let you listen in because God has dealt with my heart all week long with this <coughs> this word and I trust that you will hear and God will take it home to each and every heart we render you the sixth chapter of Romans but let's go back there and read verses, verses 14 through 18, and zero in on verse 17. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey? His servants you are to whom you obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, 
He became the servants of righteousness. That 17th verse, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. The 16th chapter and the 26th verse, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. And then it is said of Abraham in a glorious faith chapter of Hebrews 11. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. So the Lord has laid upon my heart for this morning to look for a little while at that expression, the obedience of faith. We spoke last Lord's Day morning we, upon faith and its all of its ramifications as we trust the Lord. And this morning I'd like to look at that expression, the obedience of faith. As he tells us in Romans 6, 7, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. In verse 16... We read, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. We see here then that there are only two great powers in the whole world. And both of these powers are anxious to have us. And that is, Satan, and if we obey him, the sin is unto death. And the Lord God of glory, we obey him, it will be unto righteousness. These are diametrically opposed to each other. As our Lord said in Matthew 6, you cannot serve God and mammon. And everyone in this house this morning is either a servant or a slave to sin, or you are a servant or a slave unto righteousness. There's no middle way ground. There's no neutral ground. It's utterly impossible for us to straddle the fence. We're either one camp or we're in the other. Colossians 1 tells us that when God saves us, he translates us from the kingdom of darkness, that's Satan's kingdom, the kingdom of sin. He translates us from that kingdom into the kingdom of God's dear Son, and that's called a kingdom of light, a kingdom of righteousness. So think with me this morning, will you? Where am I? Am I a servant of sin? Or am I a servant of righteousness? 
Now, a servant, or one who is a slave, he must obey all of the desires and wishes of his owner. And all of us are born into this world as slaves of sin. None of us have escaped that. He brings that out so clearly in that fifth chapter of Romans. He said, verse 12, For Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All men come into this world, as the psalmist said in Psalm 51, In sin did my mother conceive me, and I was shapen in iniquity, and, my, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So we all come. And as he tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, everyone born in this world comes into this world abiding under the wrath of God. This is what the Word of God teaches. I don't care how morally clean a man is, I don't care what kind of life he lives before the world and gives all his money away and uh, he speaks quietly and reservedly and everybody thinks he's a righteous man if he's not been born again by the Spirit of God and he's not a servant of righteousness, then he has to be a servant of sin and therefore under the wrath of God. And every man born of woman comes into the world under the wrath of God. We come into the world as sinners. We come into the world born in sin. We come into the world, as he tells another place in the Psalms, we go astray as soon as we be born, speaking lies. And so all these things are given us in the Word of God as to what we are by nature. And as we've given to you over and over again, man is a tripart being. He's made up of spirit, soul, and body. In his spirit, he is God-conscious. In his soul, he is self-conscious. And in his body, he is man-conscious or conscious of the world. But when, when Adam sinned and we fell in him, then the spirit and the soul became one and the spirit died. And therefore, when God comes in his mercy, as he tells us in Ephesians 2, 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, he, if what he is doing is he is quickening that tripart being of our personality, which is our spirit, and quicken it that, the, that God can speak to us through the Spirit, into our spirit, and by God being God conscious again, our spirit re responds by the work of God's Spirit to go out to Him again. So we need the work of God's Spirit to work in us. We need the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of these things fit into their places <clears throat> as we look into the Word of God. 
And no man passes from death unto life apart from the Spirit working in his heart. No man ever came to God by his own will. No man ever came to God by his own work. Never, never a man came to God by doing the best that he can. He come to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I praise him for that. Therefore, the scripture teaches that there must be a drastic change wrought in us. They said, Pastor, I've heard these things before. Well, you're going to hear them again this morning. I preach as if I had, that you have never heard a thing in the world before. And when God lays it on my heart. Because if I don't go into these fundamental truths of God's Word, where are we going to start? Therefore, listen. Because we have much to say this morning about this obedience of faith. Of walking with God in obedience unto his word and unto his will. Therefore, if man by nature is depraved, if man by nature has no goodness, no righteousness, in fact, he does not even seek after God or long after God apart from the Holy Spirit's work in him, then there has to be a drastic change, a radical change that is wrought in the man. And what is this radical change? or drastic change that takes place in a man's heart and life. It must be as what, the, what the Word of God calls the new birth, or regeneration. In other words, the old man is so dead in trespasses and sins, and so past doing anything that will please to God, that God has to come in by His grace and create a new creation within us. And He does. This is the work of the Spirit of God, that He comes into our hearts and lives with that radical change of the new birth. Or, as He says in regeneration, we are made a new creation in Christ Jesus. And all of this is essential for us to understand and for us to ask the question, have we been born again by the Spirit of God? Do we know anything about that radical change in our hearts, in our lives, in our, in our mind, in our affections, in our will? And all things have become new because there cannot be any middle ground. And let me leave with you that thought before we leave it. We, the slaves of sin this morning, are we are slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ, slaves of righteousness. That's the reason I have no patience whatsoever with these men who teach and preach that you do not have to bow to the Lordship of Christ to be saved. For when a man comes to Christ and God makes him a new creation in Christ, the first thing he does is that he causes him to bow to the authority of the living God. 
And that authority means that he bows to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Christ becomes his Lord. And I'll show you in just a moment what I mean by that. Has this happened to us? I want that to soak in. Has this happened to us? Beloved, if God never searches our hearts, we're in trouble. If God never comes by his power to search out our hearts, we're in trouble. We should desire for God to search our hearts. Has this radical change been wrought in our hearts and lives? by the new birth, by the Spirit of God, whereby we have been regenerated and been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and all things have become new. Has this happened in our lives? For the whole man has been changed. The whole personality has been changed by the goodness of God. Or let's look at that verse 17. It can be brought out there. Look at it. Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that you are the servants of sin. What he's saying there, that he thanked God that they recognized that they were servants of sin. But these Roman believers to whom he was writing knew they had been servants of sin. But now they have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto them. And therefore, this change that takes place in the heart and life of an individual takes place in the whole of man's personality. Let me go into it with you. First of all, let's deal with the will. Three things make up our personality. Our mind, which is our understanding. Our heart, which is our emotions and our affections. And the will, whereby we choose. But the will cannot operate of itself without the understanding that the affections entering into it. But he says here that ye have obeyed. What is that? That's the will. That's part of our personality. Ye have obeyed. That's our will, a part of our personality. And then he says, how have we obeyed? We have obeyed from the heart. That's our emotion, our affection. So we have the will, you have obeyed. We have the emotions from the heart. And then what happens after that? What have you obeyed from the heart? He says, the form of doctrine delivered you. How do you lay hold of the doctrine? You do it with your mind and with your understanding. And therefore, all three of our personalities makes up our personality, enters into, and God changes us so that by the will we can obey, 
By the heart, we are able <coughs> to turn. The affections go out to him. And by the mind of the understanding, we are obedient <coughs> unto the doctrine. And we have learned which is nothing more than the teaching of scriptures. So the change that a man undergoes in the new birth, or you listen to me? The change that a man go, uh, undergoes in the new birth to become a child of God affects him in his mind, in his heart, and in his will. The whole entire personality is involved in all that is done. The Holy Spirit does not only deal with the mind to give us an intellectual understanding of salvation in Christ, whereby we are concerned to obey the doctrine and to understand the doctrine of salvation. But he also deals with our heart, with our emotions, whereby our affections go out to the living God. And then he deals with us in the will to cause us to make that decision, if you please, that choice, for why we want Christ. And I know, I know it was in my case, and I believe it's in the case of every testimony I've ever heard, that where God has wrought in a man's heart and given him understanding in his mind that he's a sinner, and that he needs Christ in deliverance. And his heart goes out to the living God for this. And God's under, uh, God undertakes to give him that understanding of what it is. And that he does cry after Christ. And he does look to Christ. Because God has given him such a glorious salvation. But I want you to hear me now. God takes in the whole man when he saves him. He comes when he comes. He comes to cast out the strong man, Matthew 12, and to cast him out of us. If he didn't do that, we'd be in a fix. But when he saves us, he comes to, to cast out the strong man. And the strong man, Satan, no longer lives in us because Christ comes to take up his abode in our hearts and he becomes Lord of all. If we preach only to get a man to understand doctrine, and that's as far as we go, and there's many today that that's all they have. They know the doctrine, but that's in the understanding. If a man preaches only to get a man's emotions or his heart or his affections all stirred up. And he's looking for feelings. 
and all that sort of thing is an effect. If a man preaches only to the will to get a man to walk the aisle and make a decision and tell him he's saved, a man's not, that man's not saved. He's got to be saved. Are you listening to me? And I'm building up to my, what, what I want to drive on this morning. He has to deal with us in our entire personality of mind, heart, and will. And the whole man, his whole personality, is changed in salvation. His mind is changed about sin. His affections and emotions goes after Christ, and his will delights in doing the will of God and to obey from the heart that sound doctrine which is delivered unto us. Let me go over it again. If we preach only to get decisions, we've not helped a man. If we keep pressing him with invitations to come down and give it the, the preacher his hand, they might make a mental decision. And I made a thousand of them. We've not helped him at all. If all we do is preach to get emotion, if all I did was get up here and tell you one emotional story after the other, just to work up your emo your feelings and your emotions. What have you got when you leave here? You have nothing that you can take home with you. You might go here. You might go out of here bubbling over with emotions and great feelings. But how ha how have you been helped? I've heard of men with great theological minds, intellectual minds. And they preach only to the mind. They've done him no good. He cannot bear fruit unto holiness, as verse 22 tells us. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your faith, your fruit unto holiness, and the end, everlasting life. So there must be then this radical change in us. This is wrought in us by the Spirit of the living God. Preacher, I don't think many people get saved under your kind of preaching. Well, I want to tell you. If you're my, my convert, you're in a fix. But if God has wrought in your soul that which is of Him, and has worked in your mind and your affections, your understanding, your heart, and the will, then you're His. And all of this is based on the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in us to draw us unto Christ and make us willing in the days of his, the day of His power to seek after him and call upon his name. In all of my life, in all of my preaching, if only 
one man came to, the, to Christ. Be worth everything in the world. And I know that man. He's sitting in the audience this morning. All right, Brother Rob? Amen. Got one. I know of one. There's others been saved under our ministry. I know that. But if God could just let us give, have one, and I praise him for it, because there must be that radical change, <clears throat> because God works in the heart. Okay, what is that form of doctrine then that has been delivered unto us? It is, it is as the Holy Spirit takes home to our heart the fact that by nature we're a sinner. The power of sin holds us so that we cannot come toward God. We cannot seek his faith until the power of sin is broken and God breaks it in the new birth. He makes us understand that form of sound doctrine that judgment is coming and God's wrath is kenneled against us for breaking the holy law of God. And that God will and has to punish sin because he is a just and a holy God. And he can't go without punishing. In that form of sound doctrine, let us know that only the power of the Spirit of God can break the power of sin and Satan and set us free. And how does he do this? On the basis of the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then how precious it is when that form of sound doctrine comes into our heart and we understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And he, that form of sound doctrine whereby we hear that Unless you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And without faith is impossible to please God. And that when God saves us, he justifies us. But there's two sides to the coin. The one side is justification, the other side is sanctification. Whenever God never gives one without giving the other. When he justifies us, he sanctifies us. He sets us apart for his holy use. I would, by the grace of God, I could live a constant, holy life. I believe if you'd ask me this morning, outside of glory and seeing your blessed Lord, what is the one thing in this life that you desire above everything else? And I'll tell you, it is this. That I be holy like my Lord, free from sin, and walking in righteousness and true holiness. That's the desire of my heart. And that form of sound doctrine then has with it a good hope through grace. And God is going to work in our hearts. He's going to give us, then when the day comes, He's going to give us that which is <coughs> right in His eyes. So what is this obedience of faith like? Well, it's walking in the light as he is in the light. 
We walk in His light. What a life. What a blessing. What a joy to do the will of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Obeying from the heart that form of sound doctrine to which we have been taught by the Spirit. To drink of it and eat it and then walk by practical obedience in it in it daily. This is heaven on earth. No wonder the Apostle John writes into in John Sir John four, he said to Brother Gaius, I'm the, he's the potter. I am the clay. He is to mold me and make me an image and likeness of Christ. Then to obey from the heart this obedience of faith we must understand and acknowledge that the, ju that the judge of all the earth doeth right. We must, we must ever keep in mind we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We must ever keep in mind that all of His commandments are right. He does no wrong. He can do us no wrong. He makes no mistake in our lives. Where He puts us, how He deals with us, we're to follow Him whithersoever he goes. Do we walk that way? I've asked myself this question all week. And I told Brother Michael when we came over for prayer yesterday afternoon, I said, I've been battling with Apollyon all morning. I'm telling you, he came with all of his forces out of hell. To turn my heart and mind away from everything. He was tempting me to turn back. He was tempting me to leave this pulpit, leave this ministry, leave this work. He was tempting me to, it would be far better if you just got out. Then the whole work would be built up. The whole church would be built up. Get you out the way. I had to come lay at his feet. And I had to remember what he commanded. He that cometh after me must take up his cross and follow me, or he cannot be my disciple. And then I remember that 33rd verse of Luke 14. He that cometh to me and forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. Everything. 
I had to give it up. Then I had to understand that what he tells me, that I am to have no other God before him. I'm to love him with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength, and to love my neighbor as himself. You see, all of these things are God's command, and he can make no mistake. The judge of all the earth doeth right. I am to love. I'm in honor to prefer the other. I'm to do all things without strife or vainglory. And I'm to do all things in the loneliness of my mind, esteeming the other better than myself, looking not upon my own things, but the things of others as being better than mine. He has a right to command me. He has a right to do with me as he pleases. Do we walk in this obedience? Are we obedient children? And that's what he that's what he tells us in first Peter one. He tells us in verse fourteen, as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or behavior, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. I'm to follow the Lord in complete obedience. People accuse me of legalism because I preach like this. But I'll ask you a question. Do I call my wife a legalist because she cooks for me, she washes for me, she cleans house for me, she takes care of my needs. She bore my children. She raised my children. Do I call her a legalist because she does all these things? No. She does it because she loves me. How do I know? I've lived with her long enough to know that. She's not a legalist. She loves me. Many a time I've asked her, I said, honey, why do you do this for me? And I always get the same answer. Because I love you. And I believe it. And beloved, to be a bond slave of Jesus Christ, to desire to walk in his will and his way, is not legalism. We do it because the love of Christ obey him. We would desire to do it far greater than we do. So we see, because we see ourselves nothing but a failure.
the way you live? Seeing yourself nothing but a failure? Oh, you don't believe in this self-esteem stuff? Not me. I know what I am by nature. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here this morning. I'd be gone. I'm going to ask God continuously to search my heart, lest I be puffed up with pride. The love of Christ constrains us. And you know, when Satan came at me yesterday morning with all force, with everything he had, and began to accuse me, I had to agree with him. can only see that which wherein I have failed. But I can see wherein he hasn't failed because he's faithful. And I believe if God keeps my eyes there, all will be well as we walk with him. Then there's another thing about this obedience of faith. It must be personal. I have found out a long time ago that I cannot <clears throat> obey for you. I cannot make you do. I must walk in the pathway of Christ in obedience up to the light that God has given me though nobody else walks there. I must walk as if I'm the only individual in the world. It's a personal walk in the pathway of righteousness and true holiness. I've got to walk up to the light that Christ has given me. I don't want to go back or to have anything to do with the old life whatsoever. It is said of Abraham, he did not care what anybody else in the earth of the Chaldeans did or was doing. As for him, he had to get up and get out because he had heard the command. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing whether he went. It is through the heart that God speaks, as if he spoke to none other. I must obey him and follow him if none other does. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, what will thou have me to do? Not what would you have my neighbor to do, but Lord, what would you have me to do? Not what would you have my enemy to do, but what would you have me to do? Not my brothers and sisters in Christ, but Lord, it's a personal thing. I want to follow thee, even unto death, to all pleasing. I want to be holy. I want to be righteous and walk in that way and render unto you the obedience of my heart day by day, as if nobody else does. And beloved, I've had to come to that many and many a time. Nobody else does. 
must walk there because of love of Christ constrains me. Has God ever dealt with you thus with your heart? There's something else in this obedience of faith. I must personally get out the truth if nobody else does. This has been with me for decades. I've been able to get away from it. I'm not like anybody else. I'm not a patch on the britches of any preacher living. They're all better than me. I've never yet learned how to preach. But I know one thing. I must get out the truth if nobody else does. And many a time in the 20 years that I have been here, when it looked like everybody was going to forsake us, looked like everybody was against us, I had to go on if nobody else did because the vision was before me. You must go into all the world and preach the gospel. I must get out the truth. The obedience of faith. Do we live like this? I must walk in truth if nobody else does. If everybody in the whole wide world had all the things that, that, are, that life could give, and had all the play pretties and entertainment things in their homes and all that kind of stuff, as for me and my house, I must walk where God has told me to walk. It's an individual thing. I must obey Him from the heart. thing that concerns me, the thing that burdens my heart, how sorrowful and how shameful it is for an individual to know the truth, says he believes the truth, says he preaches the truth, he even talks the truth, but it never desires by the grace of God to walk in obedience to the revealed will of Then I must close with these thoughts. What kind of obedience is this obedience of faith? Well, first of all, I would say that genuine obedience is prompt obedience. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. When God told him to take his son to Mount Moriah, three days' journey, and to offer him as a sacrifice upon the altar, he went. He obeyed. Look into the Lord. And this is the way we should look at it. Delayed obedience is nothing but disobedience. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as those that did in the wilderness. Genuine obedience is complete obedience. In other words, I don't want to hold nothing in reserve. 
Lord, here I am, all of me. All of me wants to go in the way of truth and righteousness. I don't want to be like King Saul. Oh, yes, I've done all that God told me to do. And Samuel said, if you did, what meaneth the blatant of these sheep and the lowing of these cattle then? And why have you got King Hagar here? If you did what I told you, I told you to destroy everything. I don't want it to be a halfway job. I want it to be <clears throat> a, a genuine obedience. And then I want it to be a genuine obedience that I would walk in a sacrificial way to do exactly what God commands me to do whether anybody else does it or not. Genuine obedience is practical obedience. It operates in the whole life. Genuine obedience operates in the home. It operates in the business. It operates in the school. It operates wherever we, we go. Genuine faith shows itself by good works. It preaches with its feet because the feet walk in the pathway of righteousness and true holiness. And that's where it wants to walk. Abraham obeyed and went out not knowing where he went. Then genuine obedience, I want you to listen to this. Genuine obedience obeys even in the darkness. And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. That's when one, one of the mainstays of my life of faith. And he promised he'd bring this blind soul by a way that he knew not. Lead him in paths that he's not known. But I can count on his faithfulness. They would make darkness light before me and crooked things straight. And these things he will do unto me and not forsake me. And then I love that one in Isaiah that was Isaiah 42:16. I love that other one in Isaiah 50 and 10, where he says in these words, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. How many times have we had to walk in darkness, as far as seeing anything or knowing anything, the pathway was dark. No light shone on the way. And yet we had to walk obeying the Lord, who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, and walketh in darkness and hath no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his guard. And he will cry like Job, though you slay me, Yet will I trust you. But what is what is the blessing of 
this life of obedience. Well, brother, it has its rewards now. It has its rewards hereafter. It is blessed indeed to walk in the ways of the Lord now. For therein comes the blessing. Therein comes the rejoicing. Therein comes the presence of God in our soul as we obey Him. There is that, there is that rejoicing now. And that life of obedience has its reward now in communion with the living God. You abide in me and, I, and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Beloved, it's not only for this life, but this life of obedience brings to us a joy in the next world. For he tells us, in 1 John 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. That would be grace upon grace, enough within itself. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The life of obedience leads us to that place by the grace of God where we walk. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And then when the Lord comes, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Have you obeyed him? Elijah obeyed him. He said, go to the brook Chirin and stay there. And I'll feed you with the raven and I will give you water from the brook. Then when the brook dried up, he said to Elijah, go to a certain place. To Sarepta, there's a winner will take care of you. He obeyed went out. Daniel obeyed the Lord even though he knew the consequences with the lion's den. The three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they obeyed the Lord but not bowing to the idol even though they knew that the fiery furnace waited for them. And beloved, that's the way you and I should walk. Waiting upon him. Obeying him because this is the way he wants us to walk day by day. Now what is our hope in all of this? Beloved, our hope is in Christ. His precious blood that was shed for the remission of our sins is our hope. There's no other ground. There's no other way. There's no other deliverance but the blood of Christ. Ever keep that in mind that we may come to Him and walk with Him. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He will deliver us. But He desires a people 
will walk in obedience. I want to be one of those. Do you? To walk in the obedience of faith day by day. I would I knew how to close, but I don't. I preach to you, I've laid it before you as God has given it to me. And I just pray the Holy Spirit will apply it and take it home to each and every heart. We did serve sin. Now we serve righteousness. So let's walk in that way of righteousness. Serving the Lord.